it's about the sort of appealing to someone's freedom or at least giving them the illusion of freedom and free uh, uh and sorry willpower and free choice well we're really deep that's very deep oh my lord <laughs> i did not expect that i did not expect that one. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Tea's Real Talk Podcast. I'm Tay Mahmood and this is my very first episode. On our first episode, I'm joined with guests Muhammad Ali and Stanley Wong. Muhammad, who is a Birmingham-based photographer who also has his own company called Arcane Studios and Stanley Wong, who is a sound recordist, boom operator and is very proficient in post-production. But now I'm going to shut up and jump in our talk with Muhammad and Stanley talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Just before we start, I just want to let you know there are going to be major spoilers in this podcast. So please, if you have not seen the film, go book your tickets and go watch the film before you start listening to this podcast. Uh, I got lucky enough to watch Spider-Man No Way Home on the release day on Wednesday 17th of December at 6.30am. Thanks to Stanley who gave me a free ticket uh, to watch it with the members of staff at Cineworld at Broad Street in Birmingham one experience it was probably up there as one of my favorite films that i watched this year uh, but i'm gonna pass it along to mohammed and stan to see what their thoughts are i i would say it's definitely my top five or top six um just because i think the sort of like popular uh appeal of i.e the memes which were a massive sort of thing which they're like oh my god as if they really just did that like, like, like... Oh, I'm, I'm not but oh i'm <laughs> something of a scientist myself i was there like oh how'd they do that um and you know i think that's sort of uh the fact that a director and a movie can tap into that sort of like popular culture sort of like definitely makes it a lot more relevant and uh, definitely brings it up really high in my ratings to be honest yeah uh, you know i can't believe they didn't say peter time in that it, it, it's actually a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> I am so disappointed, John Watts. Um, but I would definitely put it on my like top five as well. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite MCU film of all time, but is without a doubt my favorite uh, Spider-Man film with Tom, starring Tom Holland, directed by John Watts. Uh, it was it was just a mixture of uh, of a lot of things, and 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 it was it was emotional. It was a fun ride. I would watch it again and again. I think the thing um, that sort of highlighted the movie was Tom's uh, Tom Holland's range, uh, because we got to see him go through a, a massive amount of different emotions. Oh yeah, and uh, obviously there's been the whole sort of like competition of Toby versus Andrew versus Tom, like who's their like what Spider Man's would go in what order in terms of rating, yeah. and this definitely sort of like has expressed Tom, Tom's sort of like ability. So, so to sort of like showcase um, his range as opposed to being uh, just somebody who he who looks up to Iron Man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you guys seen the film Impossible with uh, Naomi Watts and Emma McGregor. That was one of yes. like that was that was one of like Tom Holland's earliest performances. As well, I was like, I think that basically surfaces his like first initial audition for the role to show his range because mm. that kid has range. Uh, I'm calling him a kid. Even. Even though I'm only like a year older than him, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, because um, yeah, no, the the film itself, I would say, is in the top four, top five, maybe. Of course, you got Avengers: Infinity War, you yeah. got Endgame, 
But I still think Captain America um, Winter, Soldier. Winter Soldier is still up yep. there as one of the yep. best. Yeah, 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 100%. Like, I'll actually write that down as, okay, my, one of my top five. Yeah, because it's... It, I know we're going a bit off uh, from the films, but in terms of um, Winter Soldier, it's so good for what it was. And mm. that was the first film directed by the Russo brothers as well. So that was yeah, their, basically was. their audition into the MCU uh, as directors. And they created a whole spy genre. And I always thought to myself that, how are they going to actually top this? Because there is no other MCU film that has the sort of like spy element to it. Yeah. And of course, like each MCU film has its own type of uh, narrative, their own type of, uh, um, you know, expression that they want to show to the audiences. But I think with Spider-Man No Way Home, they kind of went just beyond that mm. and hit it similarly to how Winter Soldier got its reception because we didn't think, well, I didn't have the ability to direct the film which showed a serious Spider-Man that we know, like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, they all had those instances in which they end up losing something and it changes them completely yeah. as a, as a you know, as a person and the whole story arc just modifies. We didn't see that with you know, with uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man just yet. Yeah, we've seen him uh, lose, um, uh, you know, uh, Tony Stark as Iron Man. And we have heard that he's lost Uncle Ben, but we haven't seen it yet. But they mm. are creating an animation uh, Spider-Man show on Disney Plus for us to see that again in the future. Um, but yeah, I was surprised to see that there was a lot of range. <laughs> uh, we'll mm. get into that in a, in a bit of what kind of range we uh, we will, uh, we, ex- we didn't expect, but... Yeah, I just I just didn't think it was gonna be all that because I, I I think I was overhyping it when I saw the trailers, <laughs> and I think a lot of people were guilty of that. I don't think a lot of people wanted to actually build the hype up so much that we didn't see who we saw in the film. Yeah, like I actually avoided the trailers uh, completely. How did you manage that? <laughs> I love Wolf. <laughs> I've I've done it so many other movies, but I think uh, because of well, social media, I'd be like, oh, um. Uh, Doctor Octopus is in it, Otto Octavius, blah blah blah, and yeah. Green Goblin. Obviously, you just saw the grenade. Um, obviously, some people obviously saw. I, I, I still haven't seen the trailer, uh, but um... <laughs> I mean, there was some. There, there was a there was a, there was a Brazilian trailer that was uh, that has a shot of a villain being punched by air. It was very entertaining. Um, yeah, like <laughs> literally, I didn't have a clue. Well, obviously, I had some clue, but not yeah. if I if I saw it, I just quickly scroll by it yeah. and just get rid of it off my screen. But pretty much, that's as blind as I went in, went into it. Yeah, I, I, I think like what Stanley said as well, it was quite interesting because when they created this whole press release about the same trailer, a trailer, and everyone was expecting, you know, Tobey Maguire, or Andrew Garfield to yeah. show up. Um, there were so many theories going along that oh Marvel has basically um, completely cut them out from the trailer. Um, oh, uh, this uh, okay, this shot, there's Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, but then they they basically changed the frame. There's so many theories going on, especially about, uh, especially the fact that there was um, the scene in which um, MJ falls off the um, balcony of uh, the skyscraper, and we see Tom Holland chasing after. Her. One of the main theories was say, it was saying that that is going to be Andrew Garfield's redemption arc for what happened to him in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, and you know what? Yeah, the, the theory's kind of panned out. But anyway, we'll get we'll get to that. But let's just talk at Spider-Man as a whole. So overall, it's uh, basically on his way to make his first billion dollars, uh, which is quite insane for what it is in the pandemic era. Um, I don't even think No Time to Die, uh, which is one of the most 
you know, prolific franchises even hit a billion until like a month of its release, which is uh, which is quite insane. Uh, but yeah, so they um, essentially they made about five hundred and eighty-seven million uh, um, dollars, uh, uh, you know, worldwide uh, a couple of days ago, which made it the third big spinning of of all time. Time and they made about two hundred fifty-three million dollars um, domestically in about four thousand four hundred thirty-six cinemas in just South America alone, and it's just it's insane numbers because no one would have ever thought this film would actually hit a billion, especially in the climate that we're in today. But yeah, um, let's talk about cameos. Oh, Matt cameos. Murdock. Matt oh, Murdock. Oh, that was. <laughs> I actually thought it was going to be bullshit, you know, because I thought like it would just be, oh, some fanboy just like completely just, you know, conjure this like theory out of thin air and be like, oh, Matt Murdock's going to be. And I was like, yeah, all right. And I saw that and I saw a shot of, uh, of you know, of the hand on the cane. I was like, oh, shit, that was actually happening. Uh, so, yeah, Matt, Mur- Matt Murdock is officially, I mean, he's always been in the MCU, but he's like officially in the canon MCU, I suppose. Mm. Oh. I mean, uh, self-admittedly, I haven't actually watched Daredevil yet. Oh, but... how? No. Do yourself Ooh! a favor. Yet. And Keyword. Yet. It. Keyword. Yet. <laughs> it, it is on my uh, list of things to watch. It is, your, it is your priority now. It is such yeah, a it's great my life, my life, My life's mission now, I guess. It is. Um, but yeah, even I was there like, okay, this is pretty sick. Like, again, somebody who's on social media but have, hasn't watched it, it's... It's it gives it credit to the movie of its appeal to popular culture, where okay, you've seen this person around and now they're here, uh, as you say, stand in a canon uh, Marvel movie. So I think this movie has done a lot right. Yeah, I think uh, I think what a lot of people had issues with was the fact that whether or not Netflix's uh, TV shows would be you know canon to what the MCU is today. And yeah. the fact that they introduced, um, you know, uh, Daredevil now into the MCU is a big thing because now we know Daredevil's in it. What about the Punisher? What about Jessica Jones? What about Luke Cage? And now we're going to see an entire, you know, mesh of characters that we never thought we would see well, see ever in the MCU. Obviously, with the introduction of, uh, you know, um, uh, Deadpool coming into the MCU as well sooner or later. Uh, obviously, um, Harshala Ali is gonna um, come in as Blade, uh, which is oh, which is gonna sick. be good. Which is coming and uh, start shooting next year uh, uh, during the summer. And there is just a range of possibilities because um, I don't know if you last saw the season finale for Hawkeye just yet. I have indeed. No, no, no. That was no, a no, there was no, a yeah, certain yeah. character that popped up, and I was like, oh, yeah, um, is it? Oh, well. for, for the sake of uh, for the sake of Muhammad, I ain't gonna, okay, right. gonna say anything. Yeah. All right. uh, no, no, no. What I'll do, I'll take off my headphones. You could say it, and then just wave when it's all, all right, done. Go ahead. Right. All right. Or as I completely lose my shit. We all lost our shit when King up. when Kingpin came <laughs> up. It was so good. It was so with the good. Freaking, with the cane, with the diamond cane, and everything that was like that was from the comics, and it, uh, it was, oh, I, I, I cannot wait to, you know, I cannot wait to see what they're gonna do next for them. Obviously, like in that was a that was a shot that was kind of ambiguous. Like we actually got shot by Echo, but I think he's, I mean, obviously it's freaking Kingpin, so I think he survived. All right, all right. Go ahead, put headphones back on. Okay, back in. Headphones back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Spider-Man dies in No Way Home. What do you think, Mohammed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shit you not. I actually thought like you know the moment when 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 Tobey Maguire's Peter got um got stabbed <gasps> oh. by the cop and that like 
that like you see I, I think everyone in the cinema gasped because it felt the ex- I felt the exact same way as I felt when Tony Stark got stabbed by Stan oh yeah, that, that, yeah the moment in which, which we thought oh shit Tony Stark is this dead. is good how he goes is this out how he goes yeah. out in the first in yeah. the first part uh, first part of a two-part yeah. film he's gonna die and when I saw Toby Mag- uh, when I saw Toby Maguire get stabbed in the back I was just I was I kind of hoped that he did die just to yeah. just to create that you know extend the ex- you know the yeah. extended tension and the the brute the brutalness of what the final film of the trilogy actually meant yeah. but it brings a bit more gravitas to the, to the film yeah I got, I, yeah. yeah that makes sense as soon as like he hopped in front and I was like okay your back is towards the villain dude he's not yeah. completely out just please nothing and then and I was like oh, okay yeah brilliant this happened I, I, I actually a- jumped I would have just like if I was Toby, I was like I would just web them both. <laughs> <laughs> so none of you guys move. <laughs> well, there, there, there are quite a few loopholes in the film, which we which we we will get into. Yeah. But um, but yeah. yeah. So but as we know, the Spider Man No Way Home was uh, was basically based on the one uh, one more day comic. So it's the yeah. it's a film. So it's a, sorry, it's a comic book, which essentially follows uh, Peter going to Doctor Strange, like in the film, and searching for a spell to make everyone forget who Spider Man is, just like the film. But he yeah. ends up turning to a girl. Who is basically Mephisto, and oh yeah, and obviously all the you know conspiracy theorists all over Twitter and Reddit start saying mm-hmm. Mephisto is going to be in uh, you know in Spider-Man No Way Home, is going to be yeah. in Wonder Vision, is going to be in Hawkeye, yeah. but we have not seen a single trace of her. But anyway, Every- <laughs> um, everybody's Mephisto, everyone's Mephisto. Um, but yeah, so uh, but in this case, uh, what happens is uh, in the one day uh, in one more day comic, uh, the storyline is almost exactly the same. And it obviously ends with a similar plot as No Way Home, where Peter's identity is kept a secret, but it's at the cost of his relationship with MJ. And obviously that's towards the end of the film. But what did you think about the way all the characters were brought into the canon MCU into the first place? So uh, I'm talking about, um, you know, Sandman. I'm talking about Green Goblin. I'm talking about like... Did you think there was a better way of bringing them in, or do you think that was just a perfect moment to introduce them? I think there's no real perfect moment um, where they introduced, like for example, uh, in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, um, Osborne, Norman Osborne, was brought up in the first movie. The second movie, well, the second movie of Andrew Garfield's uh, Spider-Man, he's brought up in the second one. Obviously, in the first movie, he was brought up as a dying man, etc. So I wouldn't say there's necessarily a right time to, do, to introduce any sort of uh, character or villain, etc. Um, I think, I don't know, because all of them, I think all the villains set, well, you know, their, their entrances wise, they, they, they set quite well for me, except for maybe... Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to feel about Sandman in this movie because I felt like his, his motivations kind of in contradiction of like what is what he was uh, what he was doing because I think it's like his main priority was like getting back to his daughter, but like the reason he turned on Peter Parker to the faith tr- doesn't trust anyone or something. But um, honestly, like the Willem Dafoe is Norman uh, as Norman Osborn slash Green Goblin, I think it like kind of brought it to the next level. Because there's a there's this sort of dichotomy of like you know the Green Goblin and uh, and Norman Osborn or Norman Osborn such a fragile old man you kind of feel sorry for him whereas like a Green Goblin he's like the he's like the Joker to to Peter Parker right and he mm. was so just maniacal and he was so evil 
uh, yeah, I don't know. And the the the, the moment that I heard um, Doc Ock's theme on the bridge, I was like, oh, here it is. Uh, and that was probably like my, my my favorite introduction of all the villains, uh, to be quite fair. But he, he totally killed it. They preserved his arc from Spider-Man 2. They, they brought it out, repackaged it, and, you know, preserved it. And, and you know, as a fan, I don't think I can ask for more. That was just, that was great. Yeah, it's a, it, I felt the same way about Sandman as well, because you I don't see him as a character that would actually do necessary evil just for the sake of evilness. So, in my opinion, Sandman wasn't the necessary evil in order to test spider-man he was just basically a character just to be as an obstacle if that makes sense so the green goblin uh you know uh, uh doc ock they all had these alter egos which were necessary to bring out the worst in P- peter parker but i just didn't think sandman had that ability to be able to do that but anyways, if we're shifting past characters, I want to more or less go towards uh, Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, because what a performance he gave in this film, and especially in that what third, uh, second second act segment when he uh, basically shifted back from Norman Osborn to the Green Goblin in Happy's apartment, that scene was so good. One of the main reasons why I liked that scene was the use of the... You know the push dolly zoom, um, this just the juxtaposition of the sound, and if you're watching in iSense, uh, Dolby Atmos, or in IMAX, you can hear the reverb of his body sense, um, sensing that something was wrong. Because it was like it was loud as well. It wasn't just oh, like, yeah. it wasn't just going off. It was like going crazy, and it's he sent something is really wrong. And and like the moment when when uh, he realized like Norman is has flipped to to Goblin again, it was like that's exactly like when the time that the, the the film flipped to you know the second part of it, and and it was just glorious, and like you know it turned into a completely different movie, or was it completely? But it turned into a different movie, and 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 it just became like way more intense they assumed that his spider senses were going off because of j jonah jameson being outside of the apartment in the first place mm. and obviously when uh so when j jonah jameson was uh, trying to figure out how to get inside yeah. i thought the spider senses went off because of that not because he assumed something was wrong inside the apartment but yeah. but but let's face it, Jonah is no threat. <laughs> he's just—he's he, <laughs> all bark, no bite, though. Like that's 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 J. Jonah Jameson. We all love him. We all love him to bits, but he's no threat. Yeah, I, uh, I think I felt the same way as well. Yeah. It's just—it it just seemed a bit crazy that we saw his spider senses go off, but then the use uh, of uh, of the slow, um, you know, um, dolly push crashes in, yeah. and the distorted sounds, and uh, and obviously you see the you see the camera just tracking with him and you have no idea what's going on he's looking at every single character in that dep- uh, in that apartment and thinking wait who is it is it sandman is it electro or is it green goblin is it dark Ock? and i think before just before that moment happened when we saw that little exchange between dark Ock and goblin when they were uh, sorting out the uh, sorting out the type of um you know uh, what do you call it uh the serum yeah, 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 yeah so the serum and uh, when Doc Ock goes to him, or oh, you're to, you are going to, you're about to become whole again. Yeah. 
but it was just that moment when I realized yeah. it because from a director point of view, when the camera is slowly panning in just behind, uh, mm. you know, um, uh, Green Goblin, and he, I think <laughs> he turns around and says, "Just me." I was like, this seems a bit weird. Why would he just say just me? And why would the camera slowly be tracking yeah. towards him with his back towards the camera? I this... think there was a there was a moment when uh, like the, the moment where audio was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to just become, you know, you again? It would be amazing. And like, I think subconsciously, like, you know, the goblin behind like uh, Norm is like, not on my watch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> It just it just it just brings up the question of how long was Green Goblin in control instead of Norman? Yeah, because I in 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 the first uh, in the Raimi Spider Man, the first Raimi Spider Man, there was a there was almost like um, there are parts when you know you, you feel like the Goblin might be in control and he's pretending to be Norman, uh, like the part at the end of uh, you know the, the final battle when like. Toby's basically kicking the crap out of him, right? Oh, yeah. And it was like, talk of someone's like, stop, you know, Peter is me. And you know, it's basically Goblin pretending to be Norman and 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 trying to trying to um you know get his attention so he can get the glider on the air, right? Uh but yeah, because I I the the bit when he entered feast, uh which is where Aunt May worked. You feel like oh, is Goblin doing his whole thing again, or was it, or was it Norman actually trying to find help uh, yeah. in a way that might never be answered? And I don't know. I I kind of like the ambiguity, like you know, like that. Yeah, I think when he smashed his mask uh, whilst he was like behind the dumpster. Yeah. Um, when obviously you just first introduced to Norman, um, and obviously he's having that dialogue with that mask. It sort of like makes you think, okay, is this a struggle? Uh, that he's been going through like and it just makes you think okay he's been Norman for a while now a bit too yeah. easily and you just think okay when's the switch going to happen and then as soon as uh, obviously they're making the serum uh, you just think okay come on now's the time maybe but you just don't know when it's going to happen yeah I I don't know if you like, felt the same way but I thought that the whole point of um, the evil side of Norman Osborn is that he is always there but he just wants to switch it whenever he sees the opportunity to do it so yeah. the fact that he's he ran uh, as Norman Osborn he ran all the way to feast that's probably the Green Goblin saying you know what yeah go ahead go all, go all the way down there I want to see what opportunities lie ahead and it's kind of like Norman Osborn is not even in a driver's seat it's basically autopilot the only reason why he is functioning is for the Green Goblin's desire in the first place and that's interesting. The, that is very the, interesting. That, that, the, the, I think that's the way I see it because it it, it, it seems a lot more logical allowing yeah. Norman Osborn to, you know, go around his day-to-day -day life and for the Green Goblin to think, okay, you know what? I want to see how he uh, how he operates. I want to see who I, who I can actually use or who we can destroy. Uh, that's that how manipulative he is. He's, he's, he's even manipulating like the person who's in, con uh, you know, <laughs> who's sharing the same body with. Uh, he, yeah. he's essentially like the MCU's Joker, which is what I love about him. Yeah, I think if if we were to contrast both, compare and contrast both Joker and um, Green Goblin, obviously Joker has like complete insanity gone, uh, etc. But if you look at the the Goblin, uh, Green Goblin, do you think it's a bit more crueler that he's giving Norman the illusion of freedom? Yeah, or is it legitimately just? 
a, a switch in personality where, okay, there's a trigger. Okay, what can, when does the Green Goblin kick in? When does Norman Osborn kick in? And, you know, when Norman Osborn, um, like, for example, in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, when he's, uh, find, when he found out, okay, uh, Parker is Spider-Man and he's having that, again, that same monologue uh, with the mask itself. And you're just thinking, okay, are there moments where Norman can negotiate with the Green Goblin? Or do you think it's just him justifying it to himself? Like, okay, I need to do this. Um, I need to get rid of any guilt or any feelings that, okay, Norman Osborn will be in the way. So it's just how how much how much control the Green Goblin will give to Norman Osborn or how much control the Green Goblin, uh, how much control Norman Osborn thinks he has. Because if you want to really inspire somebody to do something um, cruel, etc., then you're better off not telling him, okay, this is what you're going to do. You have to sort of like appeal to that emotional sort of side of the brain. Like, um, for example, if we were going to look at uh, what Hitler did with soldiers, like nobody wanted to um, be as cruel as they wanted to to humanity. Like uh, after in POW camps, when the US uh, took in um the ss soldiers and they showed them okay this is what you've been doing and there's a clear picture this very famous picture of um the ss soldiers like refusing to look at the screen like thinking oh my god what have we done so again it's about the sort of appealing to someone's freedom or at least giving them the illusion of freedom and free uh, uh and sorry willpower and free choice well, we're really deep. That is very deep. Oh my lord! <laughs> I did not expect just, that. Just I did not expect that. Just a little. <laughs> just a little. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, if you think about it, the quote in which Green Goblin said in the first Spider-Man film, uh, "What did what did he say? Uh, I chose my path, and you chose the way of the hero, and they found found you amusing for a while, and the pe- uh, yeah. the people of the city. Uh, but the one thing they love more than a hero is to see a hero fail, uh, die trying, and in spite of everything you've done for them, eventually they will hate you. Why bother? It's kind of like a a self fulfilling prophecy that sooner or later they will turn on you. And that's exactly what happened yeah. in the film. Um, uh, and if you look at J. John Jameson, he says exactly what the Green Goblin is trying to testify, saying yeah. no matter how much good you do, no matter how many people you save, there will always be people out there who will go against you and try to fight you. And that's J. Jonah Jameson. Don't get me wrong, he's a fragile old man. He, yeah. he, I think, I, think like, I find it, I, I think like with J., uh, J. Jonah Jameson, he's quite similar to, um, his hatred to what Spider-Man is quite similar to Lax Luthor's hatred to what Superman, Superman. in a sense. Because yeah. yeah. it's, it's, it almost stemmed from this like jealousy, I feel like. Yeah, uh, and I don't know, because uh, I, 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 like Lex Luthor hated Superman so much because like in 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 a, in a way he doesn't trust people with power, right? Because like people who 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 has power is not to be trusted. Power can like can't be innocent. I think that was a quote from like Batman v Superman, uh, and as and the fact that like he can't even see any part of Spider-Man because basically cover head to toe, he feel you know what I think what Jonah was thinking is like this guy's got something to hide. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it does make sense because obviously, like you said, in Batman versus Superman, the quote was, um, uh, "If God is all uh, all powerful, He cannot be all good, and if He's all good, He cannot be all powerful." Mm. And it, it, in this sense, Spider-Man is just a teenager. 
Yeah. And he is just trying to do good, uh, uh, just trying to do good in his, uh, you know, in the city. And I don't think that J. Jonah Jameson actually has that mental capacity to understand that there mm. is, there's not, there's, there's no, there's not always a hidden agenda to being a good person or trying to save people. But in this case, he just doesn't care. And I like, I like the way they handled J. Jonah Jameson in, the, in, in this film because in the previous films, it's more of a contempt in the contemporary society of that time. Uh, newspapers were were apparent. No yeah. social media, no mobile phones, no Instagram or Twitter. But in this film, we jumped ahead twenty years later to show that he actually has become more meta and using the you know his daily podcast and uh, you know y- using news forums in to you know talk about his agenda against Spider Man. And I thought that just that's quite a nice little twist that they added into it because it just makes more sense as opposed yeah. to him working as a uh, you know as the chief editor for the daily bugle uh, as a newspaper um yeah, business I, I wonder what they're gonna do moving forward because i if we're gonna go back to the sort of like uh the, the spider-man status quo but daily yeah. bugle is no longer like a newspaper newspaper right yeah uh is peter pa- you know if peter parker gets a job uh, Daily Bugle is is he still is he still going to be uh, a photographer? Because the thing is, like, uh, basically anyone can snatch a picture of Spider Man these days. Yeah, because they all have a camera in their phone, right? Mm. Uh, or will he be doing something entirely different? You know, that's interesting, think, guys. That's very yeah. interesting. I think uh, two points. Um, that's what I want to bring about. Is it's interesting how. Um, um, at the start of the movie, when Peter Parker's identity, identity was revealed, J. John Jemison was there, like, okay, look at him, we have a face, blah, 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 how could you do this, etc. Um, and then towards the end of the movie, he's there, like, obviously, when everybody's forgotten Peter Parker's uh, Spider Man, he's there, like, oh, why, why, if he has nothing to hide, wasn't he, why doesn't he just um, remove the mask, etc.? Yeah. It's very interesting to see, like, he, no matter what, people will sort of like have a have so well no matter what it seems like he'll always have his gripe with um spider-man mm. and as well as that uh it's very interesting to see like when he first reported spider-man sorry peter parker spider-man he was um in his little uh shed with like his really terrible recording set etc and then to like like, midway <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah exactly <laughs> and then towards the mid well the next time we see him reporting something he's suddenly in more of a studio so it's very interesting to see like how people will give uh, somebody like that a uh, a podium to stand on yeah yeah a podium platform to stand on so it's uh, very interesting to see when things are revealed who will sort of like make use of it or at least exploit that sort of uh, part and uh, even when uh, they found out, okay, Peter Parker's at uh, Happy's place, and then they roll up with the van, and you know, just to just to try and get something, uh, it's very. I'm I'm very interested to see what J. John Jameson's motive is to ha- um, hating Spider-Man. Like as Stanley said, Lex Luthor, Superman, um, but in like the comics, um, it's more so that um, oh, if I can remember correctly, J. John Jameson married. Um, Aunt May or his father married Aunt May and they split, etc. Um, it's very interesting to see what angle they're going to sort of take, whether he just hates him for the sake of it or it could be a, a deeper ulterior, uh, ulterior, uh, ul- ulterior motive. Oh, that was it. Spider-Man 
in the comics, uh, Spider-Man couldn't save J. J. Jameson's wife. So I think that was that reason uh, for right. um, that sort of like seeded hatred. So I'm very mm. interested to see what can be done in this instance. Well, I don't know who would actually marry J. Jonah Jameson right now because ma- that man is an absolute pillar. <laughs> I don't know. He, he did very well to voice Omni-Man. So, you know. So- oh, man. Oh, yeah. I'm just going on a completely just off no Invincible. <laughs> Such a freaking good show. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's a good show. Actually, that could yes, be another podcast. Oh, I've, I've yeah, read yeah, all the comments. It is so good. Oh, okay. Therefore, it's definitely going to be another yeah, podcast. We, we then. Don't worry about that. that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so what did you guys think about Electro? We spoke about Green Goblin, we spoke a bit about Sandman and Doc Ock. What did you guys think about Electro as his character arc? Elect- See, yeah. Okay, so I haven't finished The Amazing Spider-Man 2 <laughs> watching it just yet. <laughs> Why? Why? No. Why? I haven't finished it all. So, um, I'm, I just need to sort of, in my opinion, well, from what I've gathered from the movie, it seems like he was jealous of Spider-Man having it all and yeah, just, you know, basically oh. what it was like, as uh, in not to like spoil too much, like it was a uh, I think well, Max still in the Amazing Spider-Man two, he was um he was working for Oscorp as an electrician and was kind of being bullied and it was a bit of a is a bit a bit of a socially awkward guy and then fell into a tank of electric eels and became <laughs> make me electro and um, the thing that. I found was funny was like he had like a gap on his in between his teeth and somehow getting like, oh he had that glow that, like, that, like completely just fills the gap like and and he's got that comb over he's got yeah the, the comb over and uh, his yeah. teeth is fixed he's got like a new hairline oh uh, that, yeah it's like hot now it's like, <laughs> he just want to be he I think like the reason he want to stay in the MCU just the fact that he wants to be attractive it's like he's got a bit more he's got a bit more game in the MCU. Like that that's all. I mean he, look at Jamie Foxx. I mean he, he 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 the way he behaves is a lot more like uh his character in Baby Driver. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a bit of a, yes, just yes. a bit of a you know, cool guy and and oh Jamie, <laughs> I still love him to bits. And because uh, initially I, I, I saw like the act reaction, I chose like, oh man, not another stuck reference. But I, I found that in the comics he actually used the act reactor to sort of like help help him to harness his uh, his uh, his uh, his power. It reminds me of uh, how people before, well, before the film came out, people assumed that all of these characters would have had some sort of interaction with Tony Stark, and that's why they turned into uh, uh, supervillains, uh, just like how Mysterio turned uh, turned into Mysterio because of the way Tony Stark treated him. And, cool. and uh, Mohammed, uh, you don't mind if I, um, you know, spoil Amazing Spider-Man Two for <laughs> I'll you again. Take off my headphones, right? Again, just give me a thumbs up when you're ready. Uh, right, right, right. What the theories were, and I think this is a really good theory, is that each moment before the characters died is when they got transported into the MCU. Yeah. So in this case, just before uh, Electro died in Amazing Spider-Man Two, when he disappeared, that's when he appeared. In, in Tom, yeah. in Sp- um, uh, Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man Three, right? And the same thing with uh, Doc as well. He basically, do you remember what he said when they were all in the prison in uh, uh, Doctor Strange's lair? Yeah, and they were each describing what happened, uh, what happened to each other. Yeah, what did Doc Ock say? He goes, he I was like, he had Spider-Man at the throat. Yeah, and then and then he forgets. You know, next moment he forgot everything and is being transported into the MCU. Yeah. But remember one thing: when he had his hands around his neck, that's when he changed good. And what yeah. did he say? I can't remember what happened. So the minute that he changed good, all the evilness what he did before that completely disappeared. Yeah, and 
it's quite sick. Uh, go on, Mamid, 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 Mamid. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so we're just talking about how Dark Ark, just before he uh, before he died, um, he said in Doctor Strange's lair when they were all uh, you know uh, held captive, when they said, "Oh, I had Spider Man in my hands. I had his throat in my hands." If you remember that part, and yes, and next thing you know, he uh, he completely fumbles and he forgets everything that happened after that, and our theory was that, well, one of the theories were that just before. Each character died in in their own respective films. That's yeah. when they got transported into this universe, which is which is quite which is quite interesting theory to be honest. And I think it works it works really really nicely. Um, same thing with uh. But then, hmm? but then that sort of brings on the question because um, in the second uh, Spider Man with Dark Ark, isn't he the one that sort of brought it down? Yeah. So wouldn't that have it essentially doomed that universe? No, because like, no, if you think about it, uh, the way I'm seeing it is like uh, the the moment he had, he basically it was one of his arm and Peter Parker's throat, and that was the moment he got transported into the MCU. Uh, yeah. And then the whole thing happened, and then he got cured, uh, and and because of the fact he turned back good again, and then he got zapped back to his original universe, and I think that. I mean, it's hat cannon, but that and that becomes his original motivation to become good again in Spider-Man Two. I need to rewatch it. I know, because like, when, when it comes to, like you know time travel, uh, I don't know, like basically just destroy the entire timeline, right? Because like if if uh, <laughs> I feel so bad for Norman Osborn, because like if if uh, if you know Norman Osborn <laughs> got killed and he got got sapped back into the Raimi verse and the moment before he dies, still gonna get glider like you know gliding gliding in the crotch <laughs> God, what a what a way to die. A little too quick if that's the case actually. Sure surely he would have bled out a little bit more. Um and uh, I don't know with with, with like lizard uh, with a lizard, he's going to get cured anyway. Uh, and he, you know, he didn't die. And Sandman obviously, yeah. had, he, he had his closure with Toby's Peter. Yeah. Uh, so that brings up the question: like, obviously, uh, they all got they sort of said, "Oh, we all got transported just before moments before our death." But then yeah. you just think, okay, what sort of grounds does that bring to? Um, uh, Sandman being there, to Liz being there, and to Eddie uh, uh, being yeah. What there. the hell was Eddie doing? Yeah. <laughs> basically, basically had a drink and he had a recap of what the MCU was, and I was like, oh, there was like a Tin Man, and there was like angry green guy, and then um, and they just got zapped back to uh the uh, universe, and they left a little bit of venom goo in on the on the table. Okay, so <laughs> it might be it might be the fact that I okay, you're gonna hit me again. It probably is because I haven't watched uh, the second Venom movie. Why? Yet. I don't know <laughs> because I've heard or I've heard not so good things about uh, it. Obviously, I should just yeah. watch it for the sake of it. But um, I wasn't particularly fond of that. I don't think uh, a lot. I don't think a lot of people were because of the runtime as well, and uh, the fact that it wasn't R-rated. Yeah, I mean the thing is, I like, I think I, I have a thing. I I feel like they could have done a lot. Uh, they they still could have done a lot, even though they uh, they they couldn't make it R rated. But I think it's just the fact the way they handled like uh, Eddie Brock is he. Why <laughs> I just don't know why like Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock in those films like he's always on the verge of having a panic attack. That's why I feel. <laughs> 
it's like it's just like got cold sweat going on he's like always nervous uh and 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 uh the second venom was basically a rom-com between tom hardy and tom hardy uh <laughs> which i mean okay. i can still, i can still kind of find like appeal in it but i just i won't see it as a venom movie you know what i mean and like cletus yeah. cassidy was like kind of wasted uh because he is one of the most like to me one of the most frightening spider-man villains of all time and and mm. like woody harrison is a great great actor because i feel like they could have used someone younger than woody harrison woody harrison maybe 20 years uh younger would have been perfect for cletus cassidy mm. what i thought would have been great was the guy who played jerome in gotham oh yeah crazy yeah. Eyebrow kids. he would have been Perfect as clear as it clears about that, yeah. But again, that's a yeah. casting, yeah. Back to back, back yeah. Back to Spider Man's all right. I think but it sort of bit, brings along the running know. joke of oh, he was Joker in Gotham, and now yeah. he's going to be, um, it's, it's the same sort of like you say, oh, yeah, uh, actors go from DC to Marvel to save their careers, Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless you're Ben Affleck from <laughs> Marvel to DC for Daredevil to Batman. Yeah. Yeah, that was the best uh, superhero film of uh, of all time. Don't at me. I actually especially it. especially a fight between uh, him and uh, Ben Affleck and, and Jennifer Garner on a on a freaking seesaw. <laughs> that was uh, that was that, cinema. That was pure cinema. Oh, what a what a throwback. Okay, okay. <laughs> I want to talk about the fight scene between Green Goblin and Tom Holland Spider Man inside Happy's apartment. Oh, that was great. Oh, yes. Now, yes. I don't know about you, but that fight gave me like similar brutal vibes to the end of the original yeah. Spider Man for some Ra- for some Raimi's. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was just it, the one thing I liked about it is that Willem Dafoe he didn't change the representation of who Green Goblin was, and mm. instead he, he he didn't change it, but he amplified it. So don't forget, he's yeah. sixty six years old and. Uh, God, what a what a legend! Sixty six years old, and somehow nineteen twenty years after the original Spider Man film, he he returned with the only with clause in his contract that he wanted to do all of his own stunts, and you can yeah. tell that he was doing everything himself. But the one thing that haunts me when I was watching when when I was watching that fight scene was and he was getting punched in the face. Several times, and he oh, was just yeah. laughing maniacally at, yeah. at Tom Holland. You know how he's gonna get knocked. It was so good. <laughs> I had no idea. Like I would actually be so creeped out. Like he's getting punched, and he's just laughing in his face. I'm like, that's such an insult yeah. to Spider-Man and his brute strength. I'm, I'm trying to think what it was like on on set because I, like, everyone keep an eye on Willem. I don't want him to get knocked out by this 25 year old kid. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I don't know, like the, the to me, like the ending fight was great. Like the the the, the ending fight between Goblin and, and and Spider-Man was great on the shield. Um, it reminded me a lot uh, the the fight between Iron Man, and Captain America, and Civil War, because like the just the the, the sort of cr- uh, the close proximity and how intimate it felt. Right, uh, it's very similar to the way like Russo does its sort of final fight uh, in, in their movies. And it was like the moment when it was uh, when it was about to like use the glide and smash it onto his face. It was a lot like when Captain America's you know pick up his shield, and and we, he was about to smash it onto Tony's face. It was like a little bit of poetry there, and I really like that. I think uh, I don't know why, but it just comes to mind um, it, between uh, when I think about like some really really good choreographed fights. I just think um, the Winter Soldier. Um, mm. when he's in Captain America, that the was first street, the first fight on the streets. 
Yes, yeah, the first fight in the um, the street where they are uh, when he unmasks um, uh, the Winter Soldier for the first time, and you just think, okay, if like those those two are very much very very similar levels, but probably that would probably top it for me over the Goblin versus uh, Spider Man fight. But you could tell that there was a a lot of brutality uh, between between the pair of them. I mean. Um, like even like uh, Norman Osborn, the reason why he turned into Green Goblin uh, via comics, etc., and even Sam Raimi one was obviously developing a super soldier serum. When you think super soldier serum, you think Captain America, yeah, and you just think what could, what Captain America could have been if he was evil. But then again, that's Red Skull, yeah. Um, so it's just uh, very interesting drawing upon the uh, parallels between the two scenes. The one thing I am glad about is that they, that they didn't shy away of how powerful and strong Green Goblin is. And I'm talking about him power bombing Spider-Man through the floors. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes Like, yes. that whole fight scene was just insane. And it just shows how much, you know, how, how much training was yeah. Wonder Four put into that, into that, into those scenes. And the fact that he's a 66-year-old man and he wants to attempt, try yeah. and attempt those scenes... He's like a, he's like our MCU version of Tom Cruise, um, but yeah, it's just amazing to see Willem Dafoe wanting to go ahead and film the scenes which could actually pull his back out. There were also some similarities with the Spider-Man game as well. Yes, with some of the fight scenes. It, yes, it yes, took yes. some, it took some like I, I, obviously it took some notes from uh, the PS4 Spider-Man with like and May being killed. Well, not killed, but like she also died. In I don't know if you guys played. Oh shit! I just bought the game for it, didn't I? <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm not gonna play it. Yeah, like, basically, yeah. why? Spoiler alert, guys! Have, like, have like a big banner that says "Spoiler, a spoiler alert. alert." Basically, like, uh, uh, anime didn't make it. <laughs> she got and, got, and it was a, it was you know sort of like it was a, it was like part of the sort of. Uh, part of the plot to sort of help Peter progress and grow as a character uh, and and you know she, she's always been sort of like the voice of reason in, in, in Peter's head uh, and and it's, I think it's just the fact that like now we're growing up with Spider-Man now what if we sort of move him to the next phase what if we uh, sort of you know kill off one of the most important people to Peter Parker and closest to, you know, one of the closest people to Peter Parker, what's uh, how's that going to affect him? Mm. You know, I think uh, there was always a, so in the movie, when all three Spider-Men came together, it was yeah. very, very, very interesting to see them touch upon the fact that just before um, like moments of disaster, uh, yeah. they were sort of reminded like, oh, with great power comes great responsibility. Obviously, slightly different word between across all three, and that was the last thing. I think Andrew was thinking, uh, Andrew was thinking, hey, you know, the way my Uncle Ben said it was a little bit different, but I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> pretty much same, same deal um, where tomatoes, tomatoes, they're all sort of like similar, hmm. in similar circumstances where just before moments of mass transformation, I'm just thinking, okay, massive character change, massive character development and maturity you just think okay that's happened now things are gonna change in a different direction or get serious so it's very interesting to see like uh obviously this was more so towards the end of the movie or so sorry halfway point where aunt may obviously bites the dust and um that like now that now, really because every, now because every sort of like nobody knows who peter parker is yeah. 
we've almost got a fresh slate. Like if you think yeah. about it, none of the Avengers knows who Peter Parker is. Yeah. Um, and although so I was thinking about this the other day, actually, the only real way that they know Peter Parker Spider Man is surely there must be a file in Avenger headquarters saying, okay, known meta uh, humans, okay, Spider Man, yeah. um, Peter Parker is Spider Man. Yeah, because I I was thinking. <laughs> Even if you erase everyone's memories, that's not going to do anything to like uh, existing. Is it? Is it going to be like the, the opening scene of uh, Harry Potter: Deathly Hallows when like Hermione was erasing erasing her parents' memory and like the picture just faded into like yeah. the, you know the the bit with her in it just kind of faded? Or is it? Or is it? Sim- is it simply just memory? Or is it just? I don't know how magic works, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish we. I wish we all knew how it worked. No, uh, yeah, but. Uh, going back to uh, Aunt May death scene, and then we can go ahead to the er- erasing memory part. Is I think that death scene was more heartbreaking for me to watch the second time around oh, because I, I I don't know if yeah, I don't know how you lot felt about it, but I felt it was a lot mm. more painful to watch because she knew she was dying. Yeah. At the same time, she was using her energy of a last moments to console yeah. Peter and remind him who he actually is, as opposed to turning him into a stone blooded, stone cold blooded killer. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So, like, each Spider-Man uh, has their own pivotal moment with, uh, yeah. with either Uncle Ben or, in this case, in this case, Aunt May, saying, yeah. "Oh, with great power comes comes great responsibility." But funny enough, mm. the way that Aunt May said it is actually the most uh, accurate version from the comics. Yeah, in case you uh, uh, people who are watching this don't know, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's more heartbreaking because now you he lost Uncle Ben, he's lost Tony Stark, he's lo- lost no, no, he's no, lost no. Aunt May, and now and now everybody knows who uh, who he is slowly but surely he knows that everyone that he knows and loves is being taken being taken away from him one by one yeah yeah and it is it, and it is heartbreaking and yeah yeah so so when it comes to the end of the film where his entire memory gets uh, you know wiped clean it's just like in the video games now so in the video games as a player who's playing the game you just see peter parker doing his thing, you know, stopping people, fighting Kingpin. But at the same time, in this film, it's more grounded because yeah. now you see a fragile teenager who's going into college and has nobody, uh, who has no love interest, has no best friend, has no mother or father, has oh, no man. uncle, who has no aunt, has no mentor, and has no one that knows who he is. So he is literally back to square one, but with all the negativities mm. that comes along with it. Oh, Oh man, you really got me there. Like there was um the bit where the the scene when Aunt May dies like reminded me of a lot of um I was thinking about Lion King. Yeah, like a little more faster that because there was like there was like a moment of like denial. Where I was like, Oh, you okay? Like just wake up, just talk to me. And then and then you you know, realize realize oh shit, she's gone. And then that was like Oh, uh, guess who owns Lion King in terms of the corporation? Disney, <laughs> oh Disney! Do you think that we wouldn't catch on? Oh gosh, the similarities and, and 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 something about like the, I don't know. I love the ending scene so much because obviously it 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 it, it sort of re, resets everything everything mm. to the, the Peter the standard sort of Peter Parker status quo, but obviously without anime. And there was the the moment when he entered his new apart uh, his like well not new but you know because it's rugged as hell, is his apartment. Uh, uh, and then, you know, where it puts a box out and 
I mean, I don't know if you guys feel this. Like when you move to like a new city or something, or, or move into a new apartment, and and then you're like, you don't know anybody there, and you put the box out, and you have that feeling, be like, oh, I'm all alone now. Like this is this. I have to like, I have to live with. You know, I have to like carry on though, because uh, even though it is hard, like it, that part really hit me. I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah, I got. I, I guess so. It's just. Uh, it's just seeing a a young Peter Parker going into his next step of his life, and it's just not. It's nice to see at the same time because yeah, 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 yeah. you you realize okay, this is the part where Peter Parker turns into the actual Spider Man. Adult, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this is the adult Spider Man we've been waiting for. Um, because yeah, yeah, yeah. um, when Homecoming first came out, I I genuinely thought that this is gonna be shit. Yeah, really. I genuinely thought it was gonna be shit, only because that we, this is just a kid, and this ain't the same mm. grounded, deep rooted Spider Man that we've seen previously with Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire. I I think it was interesting that they would take a different approach because I because the the obviously like the previous two they were they were good, but I think like some people sort of complain, oh you know it's just too sad or something, and 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 John Watts' approach was like, oh what 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 if we make it into like a a John Hughes sort of like Breakfast Club type uh, or uh, Ferris Bueller type of uh, high school movie, and that sort of helps the the mood line up a little bit. Uh, and like before, you know, when when they announced the director John Watts, I didn't know what to think because I haven't really seen any of his films. I have seen Cop Car now, which is like, uh, which is a film starring uh, Kevin Bacon. I would check it out because it's actually quite well made. Uh, but that there was like no previous film that makes me think oh this guy should be directing spider-man uh but i think like with every film he is improving as well uh that uh like what we realize is this is like the longest spider-man origin story that's ever been told that took an entire trilogy mm-hmm. like that's the way i see it it's oh, like yeah. a, a trilo- i would see it as like a trilogy of spider-man origin story yeah that, then again uh i'm gonna i'm gonna play devil's advocate here okay uh, because when Spider-Man was introduced, it wasn't via Homecoming; it was via Civil War. Yeah, it was true. more so as an established person with abilities, and then now being picked upon uh, Iron Man. Now you just think, okay, they've skipped the whole origin story. Um, do you think they've done it in the whole Uno reverse direction of okay, he's established, but this is him? Yeah. Or it, it just makes you think, like. Um, Obviously, the whole I've lost Uncle Ben story yeah. it's been told twice in a couple of other Spider-Men. Yeah, uh, that poor guy. Movies, yeah. <laughs> Just leave him alone already. Yeah, he, how many, he's how many times is he going to get stabbed or shot? And oh. Yeah, so you just have to think, like, is this really an origin story for Spider-Man? I think... Or... I don't know. It's the origin story of the Spider-Man that we uh, that we know of him as, as in as in, in in the comics, like you know, being in like a shitty apartment, can't pay rent, uh, you know, like listening to police scanners, uh, you know, making his own costume. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it was. It was a bit like it was a bit like Spider Verse when when like there was there was that gap between when 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 Miles got his powers when he's uh, and oh, then he's unbelievable, Mohammed. It's just yeah, be two seconds. Right, just, just so but it was it was basically like the, the, the sort of like gap between when 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 Miles got bitten 
and then uh, towards like the very you know the final act of the film now he is spider-man it was like the in-between stuff that we sort of care about it, it kind of reminds me of you know how in the dc universe whenever we get a Batman film we always have to see uh martha and thomas wayne get shot oh those guys it, yeah, like a uh, poor, poor guy. Like, imagine how many multiverses there are where they get shot left, right, and center. So many. <laughs> and same, same just, with Uncle Ben. It, it just like imagine like a can you imagine like a aspiring actor or actress like got a call from his agent. I was like, who are you gonna? Play? Oh, I just got a I just got a big role for you. I was like, oh, you gonna play? I'm gonna play Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne. Oh, that's great! Like, uh, so what happens? Like, oh, you're gonna get shot in back alley. <laughs> It's just interesting. I'm going to take a massive detour here. But the fact that they had Jeffrey Dean Morgan play Thomas Wayne, and obviously uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is a very, very established actor. Yeah. And they just called him in for that one sort of scene. And you just think, okay. Well, in my mind, when I was watching it, I was there like, okay, I recognize this guy. Flashpoint must happen. Mm. Obviously, that's a whole different thing. Let's let's switch over from DC to back to MCU, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, DC, the DC universe is going to have his own podcast because I'm going to uh, shit I, on I, it what they do. I bet, I bet you were with Snyder Cut and everything. Oh, trust me. I, you I have, can't you have some stuff to talk about <laughs> But what did you like think about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield returning? Okay, so, I mean, I if I'm honest, I haven't seen anything with Tobey Maguire aside from spider-man so you just think okay yeah like wow he it's it's happening <laughs> you just see him as a sort of like oldish guy he's he's uh, oh my god I, I was so surprised how like i don't know why but like, when i saw like the first uh reaction that i got when i saw toby was like oh my god he's so old now he's more yeah. he's more sage he has he's older he's more, he's more he's, yeah there's more see and it's not old, old but it's like oh he looks way more seasoned in a sense. like <laughs> Toby, uh, yeah, I mean, like was Andrew was like, yeah, he looks like in his late twenties. Yeah, it's like God damn it, you're with your perfect genetics, uh, Andrew Garfield. I'm gonna throw this out there, Andrew Garfield. His Spider Man said that he became rageful and bitter after Gwen died, yet he looks so young. Whereas Toby Maguire, uh, Maguire Spider Man has settled down with MJ, and look how old he looks. Yeah, and she cheated the hell out of him in all the films. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my I was like, God. I was I'm like, I'm thinking, God damn, MJ must be ripping him apart in the, in his own universe because think about yeah. it, every single Spider-Man, she cheated on him. Yeah, with that, we got. Yeah. Let's, 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 count it. let's count the let's count the boyfriends of Mary Jane Watson, <laughs> and Raimi Scrooge, right? Oh. We got we got Flash Thompson, we got Harry Osborn, we got uh, we got well, obviously Peter Parker. And the astronaut guy who who happens to be J. John Jameson's son. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, she's, she's going through a whole catalog of different type of characters she can. Go oh with. yeah, just like she sort of the whole cast. was like, mm, who would I like more? And it yeah, it was a it was a bit when um she was like ex well she was experimenting, but like she was trying to recapture the kiss, the upside down kiss with uh J. John uh you know that with uh John Jameson. Uh, on the couch that was like <laughs> and like and she was like giving and she was like giving Peter shit in Spider-Man 3 for doing the same thing with Gwen Stacy yeah see yeah good thing about it that's double standards that is uh, um, mm, oh, okay. we, we gotta be careful because this is a whole podcast to turn into a full line oh, oh no please don't oh, cancel yeah, yeah, yeah. us <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to yeah, get cancelled yeah, my Twitter. first podcast thank you very much no not yet <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have more stuff to do guys <laughs> no because um, yeah no I 
I think it's just heartbreaking knowing to, uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, after all the shit he's gone through, he's finally settled down with a girl that he's been chasing since high school. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, poor guy, was in love with one girl and he yeah. ended up being the reason why she got killed by sm- yeah. snapping her back and head onto the floor. Mm-hmm. Oh god, that was brutal to watch as well. I think, I mean, I personally didn't love I mean Spider Man 2. I mean still like it, but that, that that one scene was so well executed. Yeah, I would say the Amazing Spider Man series has probably the best web swinging CGI and physics that I've seen out of all oh, the yeah, Spider Man yeah, yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Crazy. Oh the Marvel I mean, if there's like main complaint I have with the Marvel uh like the Tom Holland version of Spider Man is like the swinging scene looks kind of I wouldn't say they look crap, but like as in they you don't feel like you're swinging with Spider Man, if you know what I mean. The, the the way they did with the camera because like what um what Sam Raimi did with with his trilogy, they in, they they had an entire set of like spy like like cameras like on wires, right? Uh that that sort of swoop you know, sort of swoops down and then goes back up again and then they added the cgi afterwards and 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 you feel like you're swinging with spider-man and they they definitely improved up on that with with the amazing series with the was especially like homecoming i can't even remember remember for there to be any like proper swinging scenes you see him swing like from from but you you don't feel like you swing with him i think you have to think about uh what it what was good at the time yeah. Like obviously, um, well, Spider Man came out in the first one, two thousand two, yeah. and then the other ones like twenty. I want to say twenty thirteen. Twenty twelve for me, Spider Man. Twenty twelve. Yeah, that's it. And you have to think about what looked good at the time. Obviously, we um, well, technically you sort of like could argue how Tom Holland Spider Man or the MCU Spider Man should I say. Um, well, it's all MCU technically, but yeah. modern MCU. It's uh, also MCU to... now, guys. <laughs> our our MCU. You have to sort of think what had the most advantage yeah. in terms of okay uh, capabilities of uh, putting something on the screen. And uh, I don't know. It's it's very interesting. It's a very very good point. But I think all three Spider Mans um, had their own uh, sort of a unique take and what they did what was mm. possible at the time like it's so funny how in the first sam raimi spider-man if you see the first instance where um spider-man saves mary jane um during the festival and like swinging away with her if you look at it you can tell that she's literally hugging a mannequin because he's just there incredibly <laughs> stiff i mean that was a like I, I've I've met people who have seen the Raimi trilogy and thought they were way too cheesy. And like I, I personally I'm up for it. I am all about the cheese. Oh, uh, fair enough, fair enough. I actually rewatched it. I, I actually I actually rewatched the first Spider-Man. Yeah. And I just had to skip little parts. The little little parts of they're like, was... oh, Mary Jane, you're just so beautiful. <laughs> and just, I think I think you could be an amazing actress. Eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> And I think Spider Man told me that. Uh, what, oh, like, <laughs> like, I, th- I think at a, some point that was a, yeah. the scene when um, uh, the first time we get to see Mary Jane, well, like Spider Man playing with Mary Jane. Uh, there was a shot of her, and her hair is like blowing a wrong, the, the wrong way. Uh, and and I know it's like a really uh, it, it, it's you know like a mistake, but like, it's kind of like one of the things I like yeah. about it too. It's just yeah. small things like that, like the. Um, I would say like the first, like you know, Raimi's trilogy felt more like an. It's more in touch with New York 
isn't like especially first spider-man it, it felt more like a, a love letter to new york like the first man in black if you know what i mean it's uh you know where whereas uh the other ones are way more sort of like spider-man or comic book focused uh and i mean like they're making spider-man series like that that obviously the highlight would be between like you know andrew garfield emma stone because those like the, the chemistry between those two are just amazing were just mm. amazing open intended um <laughs> but like yeah it was quite sad that we'll never get to see some like proper closure with andrew's like version uh especially because like they shot because i think they shot scenes with uh, uh shaney woodley as mary jane watson uh, and it, will, it was come entirely cut out by sony because there was yeah, you know they yeah they, yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they thought their film was too bulky already mm-hmm. and obviously they teased the sinister six with, yeah um, i can't remember if that was at the end of spider-man amazing spider-man one or two because I, th- I, th- I think they were already gonna, you know, before the whole MC Spider-Man thing, they, they, they uh, Sony's plan was always to like set up his own universe anyway. In a, in, in a sense, they they're already doing that with like Venom and like Morbius, mm. uh, and you probably have like Craven and Hunter coming up or something. Uh, but it always was their plan. I've always wanted to see Spider-Man versus Sinister Six, uh, Sinister Six movie. I just like my like. Basically, in my wish list for 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 no way home, no way home, I just want to see like uh, Peter Parker again, his crap kicked out by 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 the synthesis uh, by the synthesis, which mm. kind of happened, but uh, as in it was, I'm gonna well not as spoil the the PS4 game, but there was a scene in the PS4 game that involved the synthesis. Oh yeah, and that was like. Oh, that was perfect. Because like you cinema. see, that's cinema. That was cinema. That's like cinema. You, you get, you get a scene like at his lowest low, right? Because like with me, the, the way I see the, the um, see the Sinister Six is like the Sinister Six is almost like a personification of the the uh, different the, the, of the different kind of problems that Peter Parker goes through, mm. uh, and 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 seeing him trying to like counter that and trying to like, you know, he's a guy who doesn't give up, and that's what. That's what's so inspiring about uh, about Spider Man. Even though he does have powers, that he's like just some normal kid trying to pay his bills, trying to you know, trying to uh, make things work, trying to take up anime, trying to you know, uh, you know, he's got relationship problems and and everything. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, where, where were we again? Oh, we were talking about Sinister Six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but you're not. Yeah, I just want to see. I think one person I would love to see return is probably Bone Saw. <laughs> oh, Bonesaw McGraw. Bonesaw is so ready. Nice, nice costume. Did, did your husband make it for you? <laughs> that was the less. It, that line would not be. That line would not be in in the Spider-Man film now because that. It, yeah, <laughs> no way. I was no just thinking about that earlier. Yeah, no, but oh my god, I I, I, I I was just so happy to see the entire cinema erupt. When Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield came out the portals, oh yeah, yeah. like it was. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I think that was such a pinnacle moment because yeah, of all the leaks coming out, and I don't know if you last seen the uh, leaks before, but there's a uh, a person called John Campier. I know John Campier. Yeah, so John Campier but, is basically yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he does the same thing like podcasts and stuff. And what he yeah. did by accident, he released photos with his um, uh, watermarks on it because obviously he he didn't claim yeah. it as his own, but obviously it's part of his show that. That he found online or people sent to him and it was basically the leaks of the film that we saw so there was yeah. there was a still photo of um the scene in which daredevil uh, is inside the in the apartment with with happy mm-hmm. aunt may and, uh, and uh, tom holland spider-man and 
people said, oh, it's photoshopped. And he put it he put it up saying, oh, it's a very good photoshop. And yeah. there's also another shot of all three Spider-Mans on the scaffolding as well. And he said it's yeah. a very good Photoshop as well. But what he didn't realize was they were actually real and Marvel actually got in contact with them to remove the video. Oh, no. And he didn't, he didn't realize. And, and what happened was he couldn't say anything because the minute he denies that, oh, yeah, um, these photos are real, it will literally throw everything out the window of all the yeah. privacy that Marvel trying to hide all this time. Yeah, and it was it was just a shame to be honest because a lot of people actually saw those leaks and they they assumed that it was fake as well. Because I I think one of the main what one what the 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 one of the main leaks that I've seen well not intentionally I think I was just like scrolling through YouTube or something there was a there was like uh the the, the whole shot when um Andrew Garfield was on was like on the on the uh what the Statue of Liberty. And it was having a conversation with Toby. I was like, "We well, got a wet block." Uh, that, that was like that, was, you know, the, the green screen shot. And I was like, "Because when I first saw it, it was like, oh, was it actually from the movie, or was it like just deleted footage from Amazing Spider-Man Two? Because obviously, obviously, like he was wearing the same suit, and so I had my doubts. And then, you know, Andrew Garfield saying, "Oh, it's not, it's not," you know, when he said it was not real. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like we just can't trust. We can't trust actors. Well, obviously they're freaking actors, so can't, we can't trust them to start with. Uh, they're really good at acting, or we can't actually believe them because they're so good at acting. That the Oscar should go to him next, like just just for you know pretending that he's not in a movie. I think um, so. So going off of um, like Marvel's attempts of like hiding uh, certain things. Like, uh, same with them. Um, so I'll bring it back to, uh, I want to say Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War, where they have all the Avengers charging in Wakanda. And, like, they have Hulk, etc. blah, 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 blah. And then in the action movie, it turns out to be just, um, obviously, the members of the Avengers who oh, were yeah. in uh, Wakanda at the time. And apparently, so, again, I, d- I haven't seen the trailer for yeah. Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, but I saw on Instagram the comparison obviously when they were on top of the statue of liberty the three of them but then in the trailer it was just tom holland's uh, spider-man yeah. so that's the level of like okay let's hide something let's change it's, something it's, that i definitely I, appreciate i think it's sort of become quite apparent that like i don't know if it's just disney or, or just sony like we simply just can't trust what is in the trailer anymore because they, they can basically just edit they can just edit it in or out, like with the mm-hmm. with the whole like Infinity War like money shot. Like you thought, like oh, we're gonna see like Hulk. Uh, you know, everyone's like charging towards the camera, and that show was yeah. never in the movie. Yeah, I, I, it's it's very deceiving now, and I think it, it's 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 taught us a lesson to not take trailers face yeah. value anymore. Like, fair enough. Okay, you're gonna show a, a lot of footage in the trailers, or you're gonna try and uh, you know um, trying to hype up your audiences. But at the same time, you ha- have to realize. CG, most of the characters are CGI yeah. now so with Tom Holland's suit the fact that it's completely CGI they can do whatever they want they can paste yeah. his normal suit his Iron, uh, Iron Spider suit or his original suit and that is why you can't tell mm-hmm. what's happening in the scenes because of inconsistent um, you know changes mm-hmm. so uh, personally I, I didn't care for much of the leaks so I, I I didn't pursue them but they were quite in my face don't go on Reddit for anyone who's watching do not go on Reddit or on Twitter before you're watching a film, because that's the worst. That's the worst thing. You can I do. I got uh well not not like it really matters. I I think I got uh the rise of Skywalker spoiled for me because I read it. Uh, <laughs> not like it really matters because I I don't I have no feelings for that film anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just 
it, it, my heart is still broken. So that's another episode you can do. Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll always talk about Star Wars at some point, guys. Yeah, about two, three hour podcasts about the Clone Wars and about the animated shows and also the films <laughs> and, and how badly they butchered John Boyega's character arc in the in the final film. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, uh... So going back to Spider Man, would you say? Spider-Man No Way Home is the best Spider-Man to date, including the animation shows and films. Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah, because th- think about it. There is an, an argument, two sides of a two sides of a coin. One are saying that this is the best yeah. film because of, of the trilogy and how deeply integrated Spider-Man is with the Avengers and how many uh, films he's been in, including yeah. his own films. Uh, yeah. But then the other side of it is saying, no, it isn't the best Spider-Man because of the performance by Andrew Garfield of how real and grounded that Spider-Man yeah. felt and how Tobey Maguire's original Spider-Man was uh, back in 2002 and that changed the way we saw superhero films in cinema. Yeah. I would I would definitely put oh, yeah. it on my top three because I, it, like, for me, my top three would still, you know, like it'll be like Spider-Man two, and then Spider Verse, and then this one. It would, I think, it would depend what kind of like it depends on what kind of mood I'm on. Uh, mm. But like without a doubt, it is John Watts' best Spider-Man movie, like to date, and the best like like MCU Spider-Man, uh, and the most like one of the most like personal Peter Parker slash Spider-Man story we had in a long time. Uh, um. Honestly, uh, because obviously going out of the cinema, uh, immediately you're hit by the hype. You're like, yeah, this is so sick. This is so good. I honestly said that this was definitely my favorite Spider-Man at that time. But obviously thinking about the movie, and these are my sort of like gripes with the film itself. You just think everything would have worked out if Peter Parker hadn't done anything. Yeah, just just do nothing at all. Yeah. I mean, like... As well as that. Oh, as- no, ahead, no, there was another like one well, not theory, just like another suggestion that was going like, oh, what if just ask Doctor Strange to erase uh, uh, everyone's memory of what Mysterio said? You know, that's actually a good point. <laughs> you know, that's actually a really good point. I didn't think of yeah. that. You know what? Even if, um, um, even if the first spell just worked the first time, where yeah. uh, everybody forgets that Peter Parker is Spider Man, but instead. It's okay now. Everybody forget Peter Parker as a whole. Yeah, like yeah. just think if Tom Holland was there, wasn't there? Like, oh, what about Aunt May? Oh, what about MJ? Oh, what about Ned? What about blah 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 blah? Yeah. You just think, okay, come on. Like, like I was talking to one of my friends, and he said the only real thing that he was really annoyed about was people towards Peter Parker wanting to fix everything. Yeah, like if if uh, Doctor Strange sent everybody back to their universe. Yeah, uh, at their respective times. Everything would have been completely fine. Yeah, and that's, that's probably the yeah. um, one. Um, that's probably the one flaw of this Spider-Man, where he wants to fix everything. I think. Well, I think the thing is, I, I I don't really blame Peter Parker for wanting to fix his life because I think that what uh, you know most of us would kind of want to do, like if if, if something occurred, you know, occurs to us, um, and you know. And I think character-wise, it's actually quite fitting because, like, Peter Parker is just some, like, you know, high school kid. He doesn't make the best decision. It's the fact that he makes the most grown-up and mature decision at the end uh, that shows his growth as a person. Yeah. Yeah. After the whole, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that is probably the evolution that we've sort of seen now Mm. thinking about it. Uh, between uh, Peter Parker and uh, the end result of the movie. But then again, when Doctor Strange was there, like, okay, sure, I'll fix it. 
here's the cube let me push this button oh no let me take that cube away like you just think he had the solution to that problem quite literally in his hands with that button send everybody you know what with that cube i actually thought it was something else initially because i have a theory that was going to be like a a a device they're going to capture all the villains with it's going to be like a pokeball for for spider-man villains oh yeah instead we get them like it's very interesting i really thought Another thing that this movie has done really well is the interaction between the villains, the villains themselves. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, it was great just like seeing um Aldo interacting with Norman because like they 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 oh, oh, uh, they're both sort of affiliated with the Oscorp and everything. Oh, in this. Yeah, that's actually a really good point yeah. because um we haven't seen Norman Osborn yeah. or Doc Ock actually interact with each other before oh, ever. Yeah. This is the oh, first time. Also. Plot point. Now, just thinking about it. Go on. So, how? Okay. How did Otto Octavius know that Norman Osborn was the Green Goblin? Like, if you think about it, um, like his son didn't know, and he didn't know until like the, the, the end of the second movie when he turned into it, and the whole public didn't know because then imagine Oscorp would have been completely shut down at that point. Like, you just think, at what point did everybody know in that universe? That Norman Osborn was. Going to I don't. I I have a feeling maybe Aldo know just because he has uh he has access to all the data in in Oscorp. Maybe he figured it, figure it out by himself or something. Yeah, it makes sense because don't forget in the in the, in Spider Man Two he did say that it, this whole situation with the mechanical arms would have been possible without the power of Oscorp or without the yeah. materials that they had. Yeah, and. And uh, don't forget as well, they um, uh, w- w- what was uh, Norman Osborn's uh, main uh, field of expertise? Was it uh, n- nanobots or something? Uh, it was uh, mechanical engineering. Mechanic, uh, me- so mechanical engineering and, uh, and uh, nanites as well. And all of that allowed, you know, um, uh, Otto Octavius to actually gain his uh, research in order to create his mechanical arms. And like you said as well, he could have access to Oscorp. And get all the records, and he just probably just connected all the dots. Yeah, like, like thinking about the Green Glider, who can actually ride a Green Glider? It, who, who, you know, who made it? Like, it's just I think it's more of a detective thing more than anything else. Yeah, but I did. Otto Octavius, like before, obviously the whole arm situation got out of control. He, he just didn't that that sort of like uh, trait in that character did not become really apparent. Um, so it just, I think it's a very, very far-fetched theory, if I'm honest, and I think that's one thing they overlooked, where yeah, how did yeah. everybody figure out that Norman Osborn was um, a Green Goblin? And, like, if, if that was the case, um, then in the third Spider-Man movie, um, Harry would have suffered the consequences. Or maybe it's just the fact that Harry just wasn't reading the news. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh, the whole paper, you know, was reporting on the Omen Osborn got yeah. stabbed in a crotch by his glider, and then yeah. and and then and then Harry simply just doesn't follow the news. Yeah, the butler was there, like, oh, the glider uh, marks uh, match. You know, um, was it the first uh, Spider Man or the second Spider Man Harry got with MJ? Yes, yes, no, it was first and the third one was when he like sort of like, had a fling when. Yeah, when um, Harry wanted um, to get MJ on his sort of side, so he oh yeah, there was a yeah, there was a lot of back and forth with like Harry, Peter, and 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 MJ in the third one. And the other grab that I sort of have is the fact that um, when they were like, "Oh, how are we going to stop all the villains?" and then both Spider Men were there, like, "Oh, we've thought about this for a long time. This is what we're going to do." And they somehow managed to 
synthesize everything that they needed inside the school chemistry lab. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I think, yeah, it was, it was. Well, the thing about it, we have three Peter Parkers in the same room who are like all very scientifically gifted. But I, yeah. I think it's just the fact that they, it just so happens they have all the resources to pull that, you know, to 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 come with that serum that is going to cure. Well, how many supervillains? Like five supervillains. Well, actually, yeah, no, I don't oh, buy yeah. it. I don't buy it. I think it's too much of a coincidence. I, I'm sorry, but as but much it, as like, well, yeah. but then again, Tony Stark make a suit in, in a, a cave, cave with, with a, a box, box of scraps. scraps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he had missiles right next to it. It is true. You know? I still think Spider-Man: No Way Home lived up to the hype uh, exactly the same way as Endgame did before that came out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Spider-Man No Way Home has basically hit the one billion dollar mark, and that's without China, which is a huge accomplishment. Uh, e- even surpassed No Time to Die by a massive margin. Did that, did, that, did that make you sad? It made me sad because I worked <laughs> on No Time to Die, so uh, <laughs> evidently, saying. yeah. Should I be sad or should I be happy that I was a, a part of a film mm. that didn't even make a dent in the box office? I don't know. <laughs> but originally, how it was supposed to be released, which was in twenty. 20 april i think it would have been a really good film because of the box office numbers and think, the covid yeah. era just destroyed it. i think like both uh when like born and spider-man it's a win this year as a country as a planet we need just need something to sort of like look forward to yeah and i think um like rounding back up to the question that you were talking about here i do think this uh, spider-man movie has had a massive hit on a massive influence and uh, on this sort of generation to see okay who's spider-man and um it's definitely made i'm not gonna say it's gonna make spider-man relevant of course he's always been relevant yeah. uh but i think like the whole movie itself like the fact that he managed i'm not even gonna say cram in a lot of things i think the movie is very very well placed yeah uh, well paced should i say so and I think they fit, fit in a lot of character development, like as we said, from start to end. And, you know, for example, they added Doctor Strange in, who was um, like as a much of an omnipotent person that he is. He didn't carry the movie and a lot of his powers weren't there for the sake of it. Like we obviously know the sort of like capabilities of Stephen Strange. And um, and uh, and if we're going to talk about the end, uh, sort of like credits at the end, which teased the next Doctor Strange movie, hmm. like and how now, well, they've said how okay that they're going to put in this is going to be most ambitious in terms of cameos. Yeah. Like you just think how they're going to do that, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what is it. Is it just me or that it felt like the Doctor Strange trailer that was tacked onto to Spider Man that it, the editing felt a lot more old fashioned to you guys. Yeah, Captain Ooh, America. Yeah, Captain America. The first film at the post-credit scene had a teaser trailer for Avengers. You seen that, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, because uh, for people who don't know, if you watch Captain America: The First Avenger in a post-credit oh. scene, he mm. yeah, 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 yeah. he runs out into the open and sees Nick Fury, and Nick Fury invites him to join the Avengers. Yeah. And then you have the quick snippets of the Avengers yeah, trailer. Yeah, you feel like you actually get a peek of an of an actual scene. Yeah. And then you get to see like just clips, like little shots here and there. And I think like you know, when it comes to editing, it's very similar. When I watched the trailer, it was like a dream come true because we haven't seen a, a team up like that in a very long time, or ever. I think. Yeah. And it's yeah, just really nice yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah. Like That's it's what surreal. It felt like it's mm. really surreal. Yeah, it, would, it, would, it has been like a long time since we have um, 
Because like what you, you know nowadays when you see trailers, you see them like on the on, on the internet like right away, and people be yeah. you know doing reaction doing reaction videos to it. But like it has been like a hot minute since we see like a brand new trailer that is exclusively in the cinema. Like because um, remember, I don't know why. Obviously, I was like four years old back in the day. But that I think when it was like ninety seven, ninety eight, when like uh, when Phantom May, uh, Phantom Menace was you know oh. before it was coming out. And people were going into the cinema just to see the trailer because that's how crazy it was. Mm. Did not I didn't know that. that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I saw a video like some 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 um, like some guy went into see a movie just so he just so he can see the Phantom Menace trailer. What the hell? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> <you> <laughs> <are>. <laughs> <laughs> People go to cinemas to watch a trailer. No, no, what, no. What kind you of you, you, Do not underestimate the lens of Star Wars, friend. We'll, we'll go to for Star Wars. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen an event like the way they released the second trailer for Spider-Man: No Way Home, and everyone expected Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield to be in it. Like it, it's a it's a huge spectacle, and it just shows the the sheer uh, sheer force this film has in the industry and also in the box office and it's it's nice to see that a lot of people are going to are going to lengths to watch the film like they did back in the 90s because well, they, they, they make the entire event out of it didn't they because like they, mm. they, they, they had like people watching it and tom harlan came out and be like hey that's you know how what do you what do you guys think of that uh did you think it was needed well yes and no because i you have a feeling they're gonna at least put out two trailers, right? Because stand oh, for for uh, usually for big blockbusters movies, they, they, you get like a, a very sneak peek or like a very short teaser trailer, and you get like a first trailer and a second trailer. Uh, with this one, you we, we literally just got like two, uh, and I'm very glad they didn't do a third one with Toby and Andrew because that kind of would like they, they if they were they if they were to do it they would have done something like uh, they they, they would have teased like a shot of uh of uh you know the other spider-man but you can see like the webbing is obviously different uh and it'll be like, oh my god everyone you know it's toby and and, and andrew but i'm very glad they didn't do that because that in a sense would have um ruined the surprise yeah that uh, that was another big thing as well between sony and marvel they were having discussions of who uh, if they are going to release Toby or Andrew Garfield in the trailers, or they're yeah. going to keep them for just for the cinema. Oh. oh, when it comes to marketing, like when it comes to trailer releasing, like Sony's becoming way more discreet than it used to be. Because uh, yes. Sony used to show everything in in the in the t- in, in the trailers. Like it just like you watch the trailers. Like, oh, okay, the entire I, I basically watched the entire film. I know what's going to happen. And and uh, I think it started from like what 2007 when they started releasing just short clips from the uh, you know onto the internet before the film comes out just to sort of boost the hype up a little bit. Uh, but as in like I think because the 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 Spider Man sort of attached to um the MCU now, it's sort of tethered to the MCU now. Like they're way a bit, they're way more discreet. I think probably Kevin Feige's influence because. Uh, you know, it's just got a completely random idea. What do you think? Like, if <laughs> I just thought it'd be great if we if we get like um, let's say in the next Captain America with uh, Anthony Mackie. I, I just if we if we have a Kevin Feige cameo and ha- and have him as a sniper. Oh, <laughs> I understood that reference. Okay, that's a very good reference. Um, yeah, people are actually really scared that if they say anything, that Kevin Feige is just out to get them. Yeah, no, right? Because I don't say anything. 
Kevin Feige is going to snipe it with him. He's going to snap you from like uh, miles away. <laughs> no, that's actually a quite a good idea. I don't know if you heard about what happened uh, before yeah. the filming of Loki. Owen Wilson was casted yeah, yeah, yeah. and he kind of blurted out that <laughs> he ended up having a moustache. I think it was just yeah, the yeah, idea yeah, yeah, of him yeah. having a moustache and obviously all fans, diehard fans of Marvel, understand what character he's playing. Yeah. And he said he ended up getting a text message saying, oh, yeah. that's strike one. And that number was redacted. It had no, uh, it has a private number. No, He had no idea where it came from. And yeah. I kind of like put him in a situation like, oh shit, like Kevin Feige is looking through the window with binoculars at me. But it kind of brings a question of how secretive these films are because even on set, if you're a film crew member, some, uh, some productions will make you put a certain thing on top of your camera. So if you're taking any photos, They'll real they'll figure out that it's you that's leaking them, which is quite insane if you think about Jesus it. God. I mean, I know the fact that they have drones to kick to take down camera drones. That's how that's how intense this thing has become. Because I, if we, if, like, but I mean, like ten years ago, though, this this would have been completely crazy. It would be like it's just a movie, right? But like, that's how discreet, uh, you know, they have become. Like, if they they won't if they don't want you to see it. They do not want you to see it. As in, and and they will do everything in their power to make sure you don't see it. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's the power of the MCU, and I yep. think it's just going to go in a complete different direction now, in the in the next coming years. Because what to, uh, next year is going to be Doctor Strange two, uh-huh. and uh, obviously you've got now um, with the release of obviously after uh, Hawkeye, the Hawkeye series, yep. you're going to be getting the new Echo series yeah, as well. Moon Knight, like you got you got Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, you, you got She Hulk. Oh, I, I think we should be expecting Matt Murdock coming back, like, and in the She Hulk as well, because, like, you got Jennifer Waters, who is also a lawyer. Yeah, uh, those are the rumors that um, before the film came out, yeah. uh, Matt Murdock was going to be in Spider Man No Way Home, yeah. and the rumors were that he was going to make a cameo appearance in She Hulk, yeah. Echo, and he will be in a, uh, another series as well, and he will get his own uh, Daredevil series, yeah. but that's going to be. At least a few years down the line, but I wouldn't mind waiting for that because the Daredevil series, Mohammed, oh. yeah, the Daredevil series is absolutely I, brilliant. I tell you, like when you get to the second series, there was like an entire there was a fight scene with it just basically done one shot, and you'll be hooked for you know forever, and you'll be like, oh my god, I need to, I need to get get all the whatever. There's not a lot of Daredevil merch. You'll be like, okay, get all the Daredevil, Daredevil merch. I'm a Daredevil fan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very, very curious. Yeah, you've definitely got my attention. Yeah, please watch it. It's gonna be it be worth it. And plus, the main Spider-Man uh, one and two are on Netflix right now as well. Yep. So yeah, yeah I watched yeah, the watch first it. one yeah. again the other day. I'm actually gonna f- fully watch the second one. I'm actually I'm watching the second one right now. Actually, before doing the podcast, yeah, I just wanted to watch it just for the just for the sake of nostalgia purposes yeah. because it came out 2014. Oh wow! And Jesus. Well, well, was I in college? Yeah, I was in my second year of college. I was in. I think I mean I think I was in God, I, oh I, yeah I was in it you know six form and stuff <laughs> yeah but at the end of the day we'll see where the where the MCU takes us and I'm just glad we got the experience to watch Spider Man in the cinemas because uh, at the end of the day it's one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest releases of can, all time. Can you fucking can you believe if if they decide to like I mean it was never gonna happen anyway but like if you if they release. Uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home the same way they released Black Widow, 
can you imagine that can you imagine the uproar like like if we if they... no it, it, disney plus straight to nah it, i know it's, it's not uh... i know it's not going to be this release on disney plus is technically so it's it's, it's you know distributed yeah, by no, sony but like yeah. can you imagine like sony is like oh you're gonna decide to like you know um release spider-man and cinemas but we've got to put it on you know on 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 apple store or itunes or some shit and and you can watch it at home uh god the, the amount of money they're gonna lose uh because like people probably just get access to a hd version and pirate a pirate it or something yeah i think what's what's harsh now is that warner brothers have now made an agreement to release uh, films shocker. Uh, yeah it's the shocker <laughs> to release both films on hbo max and cinema simultaneously like the matrix 4 and the matrix 4 has already been released uh-huh. online uh in almost 4K quality, so you can watch it in 4K online because oh, wow. people have pirated it from the HBO Max website, and it's it's streaming services. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so sad. It's actually really sad that they actually did that. I know they want to make more money, and they think that uh, yeah, and they don't even have the a lot of that don't, don't even have to pay for it at the end. No VPNs. VPNs is all they have to use. Yeah, exactly. They will find they will find like a copy of it like online and just you know they don't they won't even bother subscribing to to the to the streaming service. So it just kind of hurts everyone really. Yeah. So it's like uh, when Black Widow came and uh, came out cinemas yeah. and it was how many was it a week few weeks later it was a couple of days later it got probably a couple was... like a week or two probably. Yeah, and it, it just didn't feel right. Like if Spider Man No Way Home was released in cinemas and two weeks later into Disney Plus yeah, or something, cheap move. I was. It, it, yeah. It'd be ridiculous. It, I, it just wouldn't feel the same. Because I know, obviously, like Warner Brothers entire uh, released the entire slate, uh, or simultaneously on streaming service as well as cinema. Uh, because I was really feared for Dune, love how well it's going to do. Because I, I, I am like Danny Villeneuve is my guy. I like, I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and I, I was scared of how well that film was going to do. Uh, and uh, you know, thank God there's you know that he's still making a second one because my my main fear was like if he doesn't make his money, they're not going to be able to make a second one. That was that was an issue because the reason why Denny uh, uh, Denny Villeneuve he wanted to do, do both back to back, but Warner Brothers wouldn't allow him to do it. Because they wanted yeah, to see yeah, the numbers yeah. in the box office. Yeah. Yeah. They're too scared. I think I think I think just like Warner Brothers like shooting their pants after they lost Christopher Nolan, but like, oh no, one of our big names is decide to like move away from us like after the whole um the whole sort of tenant you know, the shit stop. <laughs> Cause I like, Chris Nolan's obviously were not happy of how it was how it was uh released because uh, it got delayed so many times yeah the overall film i would give it like a 9 out of 10 and the reason why i wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10 is because of the score and uh, i don't know if you don't feel the same way but the score made a massive difference to the film for me for nostalgia purposes as well yeah i mean i i i personally i wish there was a little bit more I'm not saying, oh, they we should put a bit more James Horner, a bit, a bit more like sort of Hans Zimmer or Danny Elfman in there. But I think like, I wish the moment when like Toby, you know, yeah, Toby's scene, like, I wish it's like really like, oh, uh, you know, I thought, I thought it would have been a lot more bombastic in a sense. Uh, and the fact that they used, in, uh, the, the, the scene between Andrew Galvis Peter and, and Max Stillings in Electro, they used the James Horner uh, score instead of the Hans Zimmer one. The James Horner, the James Horner one uh, that was, you know, used for the first Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, but like 
you know, there were we have two characters that were in Amazing Spider-Man two. I don't know, like, I, so I was like a bit confused why, you know, when it comes to like to, as a sort of creative choices wise, why didn't they use Hans Zimmer's score? Yeah, I was quite disappointed that they didn't use James Horner's score as much as I thought they would. Like, like I believe that that film should have had each scene specific yeah. moments of the uh, of the actual score for Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and for Tom Holland's as well. And it's a shame they didn't use Electro's theme mm. as much as well. I think that I think there's like a hint of it. Yeah, the only hint I got from it is literally when he was appearing inside the power grid. Yeah, and he. He, he literally turned back into himself and he zapped um, Spider-Man. Yeah. That's when we had that little, uh, you know, um, string chord from the violin. Mm. And that was it. We didn't get anything else. But yeah, if uh, if we're talking about like minute details, the only thing I would give it, uh, I would take down from it is the score and maybe a few plot holes here and there. But yeah. other than that, it's just a 9 out of 10 film. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think I uh, pretty much agree. Um, I think it's pretty much now talking about the plot holes, you're just there like, okay, come on like i think maybe they did it to bring down the runtime but obviously the runtime was long enough yeah um then again but the pacing was pretty good um as i've said in that in that given time so probably yeah nine um eight and a half eight and a half to nine i'd, mm. I'd probably give it but it's definitely up there um but i mean i think this brings on the question which at which marvel movie out of your top fives would it kick out Hmm, that's interesting. Would he like, even crack the tip? Uh, crack the top five? Because I don't know what my favorite, like my top five favorite, as in, as anything like not not in order, but it would literally be Winter Soldier, yep. Infinity War, Endgame, yep, yep. No Way Home, and the first Iron Man. Yeah, yeah first yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, so I mean, soon. yeah. I like, probably, I mean, if it was before No Way Home, I'm, I'm, I, I, I. I probably would have put like uh, Thor Ragnarok in there or something because that was like mm. that was such a great tonal change for the Thor for the Thor franchise and I thought it was a, what I thought like the Spider-Man franchise like especially with John Watts' Spider-Man franchise needed was like a great change of tone um, because it was like obviously I don't mind I don't mind the sort of John Hughes vibe of the of the two films and they were quite lighthearted and, and they were quite fun but yeah. what i thought it really needed was like uh, uh what happened with the the harry potter franchise because like the first two chris columbus films were delightful they were bright they were cute they were they were you know family friendly and then alfonso corona just took over be like hey this is my thing now and 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 it just like basically just blew us away with prisoner azkaban and and basically wanted like the prisoner azkaban off spider-man mm-hmm. uh but in a, i don't know if it like i would i don't know if it says it delivers on on that on that department but it was it it it, it gave us some true consequences we gave us some true um some true weight and some proper character development and it felt it felt sincere. It yeah. felt real. It was. It was. It was fun when it needed to be fun. It was emotional when it needed to be emotional. It was like overall. I think it was really well balanced film. Even you know, yeah. given the the plot holes or, or music or whatnot. So I personally would give it like at least a nine point four. I'll give it nine point four. I think. Um, I think another one of my top fives is probably that is in my top five. It's probably Doctor Strange as well. Yeah. Like, oh, interesting. Like, yeah, like from person who went from everything to yeah, nothing yeah. 
to everything. Yeah. Um, and now it's very interesting how uh, Spider-Man, he went from obviously the start being the most famous person on the planet yeah. to now having nothing and now oh, building wow, up that. from that sort of something. So it's probably the direction that um, the MCU wants to go. Where yeah. now we're having like a semi sort of like true-ish Spider-Man origin story where he's making his own costume. Uh, there's no... I mean, like after the Infinity War, he was heavily reliant on the Spidey, uh, the new Spider-Man outfit, the Iron Spider outfit. Yeah, that's, that's it. Because yeah. I, what I thought, it's, yeah, sorry, sorry. So I was just gonna say it's just a callback to uh, Iron Man said uh, to uh, you know Peter Parker in uh, Homecoming. Mm. Uh, if you, you uh, if you're nothing with yeah, yeah if you're nothing without the suit, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. What I was thinking was like in Iron Man Three, right? Uh, and he was saying like, oh. Uh, uh, my suits, you know, they're not. Turns out my suits were not distra- a distraction or hobby. It was a cocoon, uh, and and it was a lot like with uh, with Peter Parker's, you know, in in in, in No Way Home. It was like it was a it was a cocoon for him. It's a cocoon, basically for him to sort of metamorphosize into the Spider Man that we know. Uh, but yeah, overall, Spider Man, I'll give it a nine out of ten. You give it like a uh, eight point five out of nine out of ten yeah. as well. I'll and, give it nine point four. You can't get any more specific than mm. 9.4. Uh, oh, fair enough, okay. <laughs> that is my score. Um, all right, then. Um, but yeah, so uh, amazing film. I think it's uh, if you're going to watch it in cinemas for anyone who's watching and you haven't seen it yet. Uh, what are you doing? Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> How have you not watched it? Uh, <laughs> OBB with Daredevil. Yeah, please yeah. don't be. Yeah, don't be like Mohammed uh, since he hasn't watched Daredevil because it's been out for almost over five years, which is quite a shocker. But anyways, Spider-Man: No Way Home is a masterpiece to watch in cinemas, in my opinions, Mohammed's opinion, and Stan's opinion. And if you do have the opportunity to get your tickets as soon as possible, uh, watch it in the biggest screens uh, possible: IMAX, iSense, Dolby Atmos, uh, in Odeon and Cineworld. Mm. And uh, you know what? It's, uh, we went way over the. The time I'll stuff on hour, yeah. So, um, <laughs> thank you so much, uh, for staying way beyond the hour time slot that we originally planned. Because, uh, <laughs> because at the end of the day, even my own family wouldn't listen to me ramble about films as much as <laughs> I did right now. I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> so, this podcast will be available on Spotify and on iTunes and Amazon Music as well. And we did shoot this on Christmas Eve. And I didn't want to release it on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. so I've... well, you have a couple of hours left. Yeah, a couple of hours to edit now, <laughs> but yeah. So this was an amazing opportunity to get people to talk about their views uh, on films that they watched in cinemas, and I thought, what better film to start off with than Spider-Man: No Way Home, uh, which is now in its second week uh, in the cinemas. So thank you to Stanley Wong and thank you to Muhammad Ali. You can follow them on their social media accounts: Stanley Wong sixty on Instagram and. Standing Wong on Facebook and Muhammad Ali six five six one on Instagram, and you can follow his uh, business photography account on Instagram at Arcane Studios Ltd. So thank you so much to Muhammad and Stanley for joining me today, even though it's Christmas Eve, and I know we've got oh, a lot of things. Yeah, thank you for having us, Tab. Yeah, it was good. It's a good time. I didn't think we'd go in as deep as we did, and it was definitely. <laughs> I just want to go and watch it again. <laughs> yeah, well, who would have thought we'd be, we'd be talking about Nazi uh, Germany as well uh, inside? It's uh, all Spider-Man, relevant. Which is quite interesting. Relevant. 
And that's it today for Tease Real Talk Podcast. Thanks to Mohammed and Stanley for joining me and I'll put all the links to their social media platforms on my Instagram and under the episode on all podcast streaming websites. If you dig the episode and want more, please like and share with your friends. All that stuff does really help me out. So until next time, please remember to watch, talk, debate and repeat.